it's going to snow. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be a day you really don't want to be out there. But the White River is going to be running water because it's it's high demand. It's cold. <laughs> it's an electro dam. They're going to be running water. And big water with an eight weight and like a T6 sink, sink, sink rate line. And I'm going to be throwing like an eight inch double deceiver or knucklehead or something like that at the bank and pulling it off the bank as hard and as fast as I can. <laughs> that period. I mean, that is, that is the day that those are the days that, that we, we stop everything we're doing when, when we have a front coming in in the middle of winter and the weather's going to get nasty, we stop everything we're doing and we go no matter what's going on. That, that's what we do because yeah, it tends to stir some big nasties up and that's all we really want to do. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code double the flies at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks for joining us this time around. Uh, this time around, we've got Brian Wise out of Gainesville, Missouri from Fly Fishing the Ozarks. Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been trying to catch up with all your, your YouTube, your tying videos, uh, all, your, all your content, your vlogs. Uh, there's a lot out there, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Oh, great. I, yeah, that's, there is a little bit of stuff out there. There's a little bit. And, and a lot of my stuff is out there as well. <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate you looking at it. <laughs> that's, that's what drew me to it. I, I, you know what? I want to get your story. We'll get into your, to your business, to your time, to your, to your content. But first, I, I want to take it back to your roots. How did you get involved in the pastime of fly fishing? Where does your passion come from? Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm actually one of the, oh, I would say I'm one of the few people that I, I came into this sport late in life. I was not one of those, those guys that, that grew up as a, as even much of a fisherman, to be honest with you. I was, uh, uh, when I was young, I was into sports. I, I played, um, I was a, I was a baseball guy, um, played pretty hardcore for competitive baseball. And, um, and then, um, so, so like, oh, I don't know. I was, I was a catcher. Okay. So uh, I was a catcher in baseball and I blew my knee out playing basketball. Like, totally blew my knee out when I was in high school. So as soon as anybody looking for scholarships, uh, asked, you know, for a catcher with a blown out knee, <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was crickets. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so when I got into college, um, I was kind of lost. It was, uh, you know, I was, I played sports, literally played sports my whole life. I had done some fishing, just little pond fishing here and there, spinning rods and, and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't anything that I would consider something that I would 
jumped to do. I would have absolutely went and played baseball or basketball for sure before I would have ever thought of fishing um, until college came around. And I, I just didn't, didn't have anywhere to go. You know, I was, I was like just lost and uh, I was invited on a float trip and um, took a float on, on a river that I had floated. Uh, it was my home river. I had, I'd floated it a thousand times. I knew the river really well. I just didn't fish. And uh, we fished it and had a ball and it was just all downhill from there. I'm looking at this. Okay. So I don't want to offend you right out of the gate, but back catchers are usually a little different breed. No, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always think of goaltenders, hockey goaltenders and back catchers. They're, they're cut from the same (laughs) cloth in my book, but, uh, so you're probably right. They're the weird one. So, so what, what is it about fly fishing that really attracted you to begin with? Um, you know, actually when I did go back and start fishing, I didn't jump into fly fishing. Um, it was, it was something that, uh, I I had a buddy like growing up in high school that, that fly fished a little bit. Uh, like when we would, when we would go to the river and party and stuff, he'd always have a fly rod with him and, you know, and stuff like that. But it was like, um, I, I started spin fishing really hard in college and then, it just, but it was just like, um, and, and nothing against gear fishing because I, I would still absolutely go through gear. Um, but it, it just seemed like the same thing over and over. It was monotonous. And then, um, and then it was just, it just, it was like this natural progression straight into fly fishing and fly fishing has, you know, I, I don't want to throw the whole cliche of, you know, the, the one with nature and stuff like that. I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I'm really not that kind of guy. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty loud guy. Um, you know, I, I just kind of like that. Um, so it, it's, it's, it, it's almost like I came into fly fishing right when, um, right before fly fishing started to have a little bit of a change toward a, um, toward a little bit more of a, a, a maybe a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't so much of, of the old man with his tweed on and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It was starting to change. You're telling me you don't fish in tweed? <laughs> I thought, I thought everybody listening to this podcast fishing. I'm wearing tweed right now. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell tweed is. What is tweed? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean though. I, I get you're talk you're talking like the old school and believe me, because I've I'm I'm a bit of an older guy, so I, I I get where you're coming from. And that comes up on the podcast a lot because I think the new there's a new breed of guides of avid fly fishers out there that are more of the kind of outdoor explorers, whether it's climbing or, or hiking or backpacking. Right. You know, the surfers. It's, it's a different crowd. Right. And it is kind of funny that you bring that up because I you know, um, I did run, mount, I ran, uh, downhill mountain biking. Um, I did some bouldering, uh, you know, kind of, you know, uh, short level climbing, rock climbing and stuff like that. So, so I was always an outdoors guy. Um, but it was just uh, the, the whole fishing thing just wasn't that big a deal until, until I just got totally wrapped up in it. And it was, it was fast. It was very 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 fast i after i picked up a fly rod it probably wasn't a month until i had a whole fly tying kit and um everything i, I completely jumped into it and been that way ever since it really has been hmm. 
That's that's um, a fairly familiar story, to be honest with you, from a lot of folks I've talked to. It's kind of once that discovery process starts, it's an all-in kind of attitude, and the learning curve is so steep, but there's, um, you know, you, it, and it never stops. Right. Yeah. Right. Good, good stuff. So if you had to pinpoint, Ryan, one or two people that have really been influential in your learning curve, who who would you point to? Oh, Wow. You know, um, I started out in fly fishing. Uh, I, I guess it was kind of right when the internet was kind of starting. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really wasn't, um, I, I didn't have as much of a wealth of knowledge like you have now, you know, and, um, everybody that's coming into the sport now has this, this insane amount of knowledge that they can get super, super easy. So, uh, you know, what we had was books and, and I'll be honest with you, the only books that I ever got were fly tying books. I didn't, um, you know, never really, never really read any other books or anything like that. Um, everything I kind of learned, I, I, unfortunately where I live, believe it or not, um, my home waters, my extreme home waters, um, there are, two or three fly fishermen around, um, you know, nobody fly fishes around here. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not a thing. Um, we have lakes. Um, so, so basically, um, I live, uh, directly between, uh, Norfolk Lake and Bull Shoals Lake, which goes over into Arkansas and and creates the white river in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do live very close to the white river, which has always had a bunch of fly fishermen and everything like that. But my, my home waters are the waters that are above the lakes. So, um, you're talking, uh, extreme, uh, they're wild rainbows. They haven't, they, they were stocked. Uh, the last time our rainbows were stocked like in the mid sixties. So, um, you know, they're wild rainbows are different. They're not stocker rainbows. Like (laughs) you, like you would see on tailwaters and and stuff like that. And I was lucky enough to have a a sit down with Dave Whitlock. I think it was probably early 2000s, 2002, 2003. What was that like, Brian? Tell us in on that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) to be dead honest with you, I didn't even know who he was. Um, I, I had known, I knew the name, but I couldn't, I, I didn't, was not able to put a face with the name at that point. Whitlock's Hopper didn't maybe. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I, I knew, I knew about that, but I didn't know. I didn't know that this was, that was Dave Whitlock. So, hmm. so I'm actually guiding on the river. And I was, I was, I was going on the river and, and we, we passed this guy that was fishing and my fisherman stopped and says, Whoa, are you Dave Whitlock? And I, I looked back at him. And I was like, I know that name for some reason. <laughs> and so my fisherman talked about him for the rest of the day. And, um, and so it was kind of crazy. Turns out that he was staying at the lodge that I guide for. And, uh, and the lodge owner, as soon as I came in, he said, Hey, Dave Whitlock's here. He wants to talk to you and, and stuff like that. So I ended up sitting down with Dave for, oh man, a, a whole evening. It was, uh, I had, I had dinner, had dinner there. Um, and we, we sat there just at the lodge talking and, and stuff like that. And looking back at it, it was, I was so naive and dumb to the fact of who I was actually talking to that, that I probably learned more that way. 
Yeah, yeah, that um, makes that makes a lot of sense. Know, he probably appreciated it more too because you're talking like you would normally. <laughs> just to anybody, right? It, it, right. I, it wasn't like I was starstruck and like taken aback. It was just like this really awesome older guy that you could obviously knew his stuff. So I mean, he, he he had he had me hanging on every word he he was even saying, and I didn't even really know who he was. <laughs> Did you guys sit down and do some tying or? No, uh, no, no, never. Well, I never got to tie with Dave. I got, I've, I've seen Dave tie a, a ton at shows and, and everything like that. But um, no, he, uh, I did get to see him. Um, it, he had brought some art for the lodge that I guide for, and um, and he was he was signing his name in the uh, in the mat side of the of the art that was framed. Um, and if you've ever seen a Dave Whitlock signature, you know it's art. Um, it's it's he will. He always draws a fish um, within his signature, and um, sometimes he will um, he'll just he'll just draw little things, you know, that go along with his signature. And so his signature is never the same over two things, you know. Um, so it was it was really neat to see that, and um, and I'm a fan of art, and so I, I got to talk to him a little bit about the art and everything like that, and uh, it was it was really really neat looking back. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you talk about influences, that's going to stick. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. So when you're in and around Gainesville, now you made it kind of sound like there's maybe not as many uh, fly fishers in that area as I would have thought. Where do you go to talk fly fishing? Is there a fly shop nearby, a local brewery, watering hole, coffee shop? Where do you get your fix? We uh, we go to Arkansas. Literally, the White River in Arkansas is uh, 32 miles from my front door. Um, so I literally live, I can almost spit into Arkansas from my front door. <laughs> right. So, said like a true Southern Missouri, Northern Arkansas guy. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but, is that um, with, a, with a strong tailwind? You're right. Well, you know, maybe just a little bit. Definitely no crosswind. If there's a crosswind, there's no way I'm going to make it. But <laughs> I like it. That's a good analogy. That'll stick with me. Tell us about that Arkansas area. Where you go to to get your fix on fly fishing? You know, um, I've uh, I've got a good buddy that that has a a great shop in Arkansas. Uh, it's in Cotter, Arkansas. His name's it's Dally's Ozark Fly Fisher. Um, is basically. Um, you know, like the go-to place on the White River is just flat out all there is. My, I have a 16-year-old son, and his first job was at the fly shop this summer. So <laughs> that's that's where we go. It's it's a great place. He has uh, it's actually a huge shop. It's like one of the biggest shops you'll ever walk into. Like as far as space goes, it's it's absolutely huge, and it's in this tiny little town of Cotter, Arkansas. It's great, absolutely great. That sounds that sounds really old school. It's awesome. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I keep hoping that that brick and mortar keeps coming back because you know what, the, the internet's great, but I, I like to touch and feel and see what's going on and just get that feel. And that's what, that's why I always ask. I like to ask the guests on the podcast, where do you like to go? Because that's that's where I got my bug was from working in a fly shop or at least a hunting fishing store and having all those. Uh, at the time, it was old timers. Now it's younger younger people involved in the sport, which is great. But having that kind of posse of people in the shop talking where the hot 
runs are, where the good still water is, what patterns are working. And that, that for me is where that kind of buzz starts. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. I, to, and, and, and to really learn, you know, you, you cannot learn as much as what everybody else already knows, if, if, especially if you're new. Um, and and most, of the, most of the fly shops now, most of them that I've been in, it's a very welcoming thing. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd heard, you know, before in, in the, you know, like in the seventies and stuff like that, they were almost like, um, like a gentleman's club, you know, a lot of them were almost like a gentleman's club where if you didn't know somebody, you just, you kind of got a cold shoulder and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of stories about that, but now uh, it's, it's really cool. There's, you know, any shop I've been in, there's this, typically a young dude that's you know bounce around <laughs> and then there's an old guy so their time flies and then you know it just it's a it's a wealth of knowledge that you, you cannot beat a local fly shop cannot beat them tell me what it's like and what it means to you to have you mentioned your 16 year old son is now working in a fly shop what's it like for you to see that through your eyes to kind of come full circle and and see that passion growing oh gosh um my boys are um, are a sixteen and fourteen, and I have a seventeen year old uh, stepdaughter. Um, so, you know, uh, we have we have we have three kids in high school. <laughs> uh, if if I can just make it through the next like three or four years, it it'll be okay. But I'm not sure I'm gonna make it. Um, <laughs> but hey, you no, know what? Boys, I. I... I, I hear you. I got twin girls, and they just got through that. So I'm just I'm just on the other side. I see a whole lot of water opening. I see a whole lot of water opening up. You know, just keep um, your head down. Right. Yeah. Put my head down. It'd be okay. We're gonna make it. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, my boys, it, they've grown up. Uh, at one point, um, when my oldest was like six or seven years old. Um, one of my friends took him on a float trip and they went fishing and they handed him a spinning rod. Uh, they knew that they knew that Parker was a fisherman. My, my oldest boy's name is Parker. Uh, they knew he was a fisherman. I handed him a spinning rod. Parker didn't, he didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't a fly rod, you know? And at that point I had done some competitive casting. That's when like distance casting was a cool thing and, and stuff like that. So I had done some competitive casting and, and Parker had, um, every time I would go outside and cast, he would come out at least for five or 10 minutes with me. And, um, so, and I would practice every single day. So, you know, at six years old, um, my oldest was, was holding a loop with a nine foot five weight and it was beautiful. Um, you know, he, he was double hauling when he was six, seven years old. Um, so, you know, it, it, I got to see this very quickly. I didn't, but unfortunately, um, he, they kind of the boys grew up on my hip and and they were always with me and and stuff like that i didn't it wasn't really until um until i started like guiding kids like regular kids <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and i because i didn't know uh you know these my boys were phenomenal uh, they were they were phenomenal they were they were fly fishing on their own when they were seven eight years old you know just flat out i i was dad was done you know i i could <laughs> row the boat I, that's what i did i would row the boat um and so um you know it 
seeing seeing that come into play and seeing Parker turning and, and kind of starting to maybe do a little bit of a teaching thing is this mind-blowing concept to me. <laughs> I mean, Think about it, Brian. He's already been doing it eight or nine years. Oh, right. You know? It, right. <laughs> that stuff adds up, and especially hanging around yourself as a guide, as, as somebody that's passionate in the business and spending all that time in the shop. I mean, you're you're like a sponge at that age, right? Right. And they are. It's amazing what they can learn. I, I have so many people, and, and like um, several years ago, I made a video um, of the boys, and I interviewed them. I, I sat them down and interviewed them. And, uh, like one of my boys had a lisp back then and, you know, he's, and he's, he's four or five years old <laughs> and, uh, and my oldest was very articulate and, and, uh, he always was very articulate. My youngest is, is me just totally gung ho and, you know, just, and, and it, and it comes out and, uh, I, I made this video <laughs> of, of the boys and I, I, I called it the next generation and set it to like to, like to upbeat music and it was just basically um there's a little stream in arkansas uh right below norfolk dam that is called dry run creek and what it is is uh they they took some side flow coming into norfolk river in arkansas and uh they stocked they stocked it it's beautiful there's waterfalls there um it's it's a semi i don't want to say urban setting because it's right next to the hatchery the national uh fish hatchery right there in Norfolk, Arkansas, but it is full of like huge fish, like fish that, that the average everyday person will never catch. And so my boys have caught more fish over 25 inches than, than I have. I'm 100% sure. And <laughs> so, um, so this whole video was just them, you know, hammering big fish and, and stuff like that. And, um, and I, I, I'll sit back and watch that video to this day and just be like, Oh my gosh, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, that's, that's one of my, that's one of my gems that I just absolutely love. That's uh, spoken like a proud dad. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. That, that's yeah, very proud. Tell me about, how you came to start fly fishing the Ozarks, doing your videos. When did that all start for you? Um, I actually kind of started shooting photos. Uh, I was, I, I kind of always had a, oh, I kind of always had like a, a, a decent business mind and, and stuff like that. And, and this whole video thing started picking up and I, I noticed people doing videos. This was, uh, 2003, probably something like that. Um, and so I would, I took a lot of pictures, obviously I, I was a guide, you know, we, I took a lot of people, a lot of people's pictures with a fish, you know? Um, and then I, I got to where I really, I really liked photography as a, just as a, a really neat thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in one of the most beautiful places on earth all the time i'm on the water all the time i get to see stuff that you know people don't always get to see so i started taking photos and, and i started making slideshows and i would make slideshows um like at the end of every season so like after the spring season was over i'd make a slideshow and i'd put it on youtube and um i'd set it to some you know some some guitar-y music and, and stuff like that and 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 it was it was cool. I was proud of it. It was neat. It was something that that kept my attention. This was before YouTube ever got very big at all. Um, 
like at all. But that's where I was uploading and I was doing that stuff. And I, they've like the point, the little point and shoot cameras, the waterproof point and shoot cameras that everybody had. All the guides had the same one. It was a blue and silver or orange and silver point and shoot camera. We all had them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it, it shot, it shot video. It had a video option on it. It was, the quality was poor. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. Um, so, but it, at certain points I would go ahead and shoot a little bit of video while I was taking photos. And, um, so I would put a little piece of, of video in with the slideshow and, uh, people started watching them and it was like, okay, so this is cool. And then, um, the, I don't know, these little cameras, you might've heard of them. They're called GoPros. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, so. I pre-ordered the first GoPro hero. Uh, like the very first really? one I was on the, I, I was on the pre-order. I, I knew this thing was, it was, it was exactly what I was looking for because everything right. back then was so expensive and, uh-huh. um, and I was on the water and I, uh, there's just no way, you know, <laughs> and this thing had a waterproof case. It came with a waterproof case. So, um, mm-hmm. and then it all went downhill from there. That's when everything started to, I, I started to make videos and, um, I was uploading, um, fishing videos all the time. Um, and, and I would, I, I, I would do a, a spring video, then I'd do a summer video and a fall video. So I was, I was shooting video all the way through spring. And then I would make this compilation of, um, I'd make like a five to seven minute compilation of my whole spring guiding season, you know? So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, and I got to where I loved doing it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot more fun than just shooting still photos. Cause I could edit and I could do, you know, neat and fun stuff with it. And then, um, what the, the, I think the natural progression was, um, that I'd get a little bit better of a camera and I got, I got a little better of a camera. And then some buddies and I, uh, were getting ready to go, uh, musky fishing in, um, in Minnesota, in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So, before we left, we were tying all these big streamers and, and stuff like that. This was right when the big streamer game started kind of really boiling. You know, it was, it was that new, that new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just jokingly, I made it, I tied a, a video of, um, of a musky fly. Now I shot a video of me tying a musky fly, but then I sped it up and set it to uh, the band Cake the song is called the, the, the distance, <laughs> but, yep. um, if you, if you know that song, it, it just makes total sense. So I tied the, you know, it took me, say it took me 20 minutes to tie this big musty fly. I sped it up toward the video it was like three minutes long and, um, and went from there. And yeah, that's where everything kind of started. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious about your, like your editing skills, your production skills, is that something you've just honed through this process or is that something you went to school for? Or is this something you just kind of picked up as you went? You know, um, I, I didn't, I, I have not had any kind of like training at all. Um, uh, everything I've learned, I'm kind of that guy. If I can't learn it on YouTube, I can't learn it. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if it's, if it's not to be found on YouTube, I, I can't, I can't learn it. And, I, I looked the other day and I've been, I've been doing like serious, a bunch of uh, like, I got serious with videos about nine years ago and I just, I had no clue it was that long ago. 
so over, I guess over that, just that period of time, I've just kind of learned, uh, I've, I've, I've been very, very lucky to, to be able to talk to a lot of filmmakers and a lot of people that, that are very good at what they do. I, I will always consider myself a hack. I mean, uh, no matter, <laughs> no matter what I, compared to all these guys out there, I'm a total hack when it comes to videography. <laughs> um, and, but I've been able to, I think you're being a little humble though. I mean, I looked at your stuff and I'm just like, uh, even the music that you're using. And I was curious, do you have buddies that write some of those guitar licks for you? Or is that just some kind of uh, service that you buy? Cause some of that sounded pretty darn good and I didn't recognize right. it. Right. Um, there are, I have had a couple of, of short, shorter clips that I've actually used in fishing videos that were from a buddy that plays a 12 string, like a crazy man. Uh, he'll play. Oh, it's, he's, he's a freak show. Um, so I did have some of that, but the vast majority of my stuff is, is just kind of downloaded from here and there. Um, you know, in several years ago, you didn't have to worry about like copyright issues. And, and I, and I understand copyright issues. I totally get it. Um, but, that wasn't something that we thought about when YouTube was, whenever I was really kind of starting and getting this stuff rolling, I could use any song I wanted to, but like after you, after you get to a certain point with YouTube, um, YouTube can hold it over your head and say, yeah, you don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you have to really watch what you use on YouTube. Um, now, um, and, especially once you get to that that youtube partner level it it really starts to it starts to, make, it starts to get serious and it's because it's a it's a very serious thing very serious thing well it's all about content as we all know and you're putting a lot of it out there it amazed me some of the stuff like you say you've been doing this for quite some time and you found a way to make watching fly tying interesting which is not an easy thing to do i mean you, you know like as a tire it, it's i'm just being honest like when i when i see somebody tying of you just throw some good music behind there and you do some editing and cut out you know kind of the unnecessary bits all of a sudden it's got it's got your attention right you know the way i kind of look at it um and, and i don't mean anything against um any of this stuff i will i i actually watched videos today of um of people tying a paragon, you know, those, uh, just a little jig head paragon, you know, Euro style fly, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I absolutely still watch, you know, all those videos. I just, um, the way, the way I looked at it, when I started doing these videos, um, I, I caught a lot of flack actually. Um, and I, and I think that's probably, that was probably the best thing that could have happened. It, I, I caught a lot of flack, because um, the way I looked at it was, okay, the the stuff that I'm not showing is the stuff that you can't teach on video, um, like thread tension. I cannot teach you mm. how to how 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 tight to hold your thread in a video. I can't do it. There's nobody that can do it. You have to do it. Um, so and then um, you know just different things and stuff like that. That so. So I took away what the way I looked at it was I'm going to take away the, the boring parts. Anybody can dress a hook, you know, I'm going to dress a hook from the, from the hook eye to the hook bend. I don't need to do that and talk the whole time I'm doing it. (laughs) You know, There's nothing that I'm going to say that you, that I need to say that much. And that's coming from somebody that I think you have 
already figured out that, you know, I'll talk your leg off. <laughs> so, right. so for, for somebody like me that will absolutely talk like crazy to not talk in a tying video is weird, but, um, <laughs> it really is. But, uh, are you doing a lot of live stuff right now? Like, I mean, that's kind of the hot thing right now are these live, right. Uh, are you still doing mostly recorded? Well, um, I'm, I'm doing, uh, recently, I, I don't want to say I took over Flyman's channel, but, uh, I, I started doing Flyman fishing companies, tying videos. Um, and, uh, they gave me a little bit more, um, they wanted it to be, they wanted their videos to be a little bit more teaching wise and, and with a little bit of narrative. Um, so I do talk in those videos. Um, it does show that I do have a voice because <laughs> about the only time anybody ever heard my voice on my videos is when I mess up or stick a hook in my thumb or something like that. And <laughs> you know, um, I openly give myself crap on my YouTube channel, but you know, for the, the Flyman thing is something that I do talk on and, and do kind of introduce different things and everything like that. I am, I, I did recently start a Patreon page where I am going to do, I'm going to break down the, uh, cause I do, a, I do one tying video a month. I, I produce one per month. So I'm going to do for my patrons, um, I'm going to do a, a sit down, a live streaming sit down where they can ask questions and and stuff like that of the, of the video that I just made. So we're, we're going to see how that goes as of right now. It's, it's, it's working pretty well. We're going to, it's pretty new. So I I still have a lot to learn there. So it's, I I think that was the next, the next progression in, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever it is that I do. (laughs) When you're filming your stuff in house and you're uh, sitting down at the time vice and making these videos once a month, what, uh, not to get too technical, but what what kind of equipment are you using to film this? Oh, okay. So um, I actually use uh, mirrorless uh, camera wise. I use mirrorless DSLRs. Uh, so they're they're like a DSLR, but they're smaller. Um, I'm a I'm a Sony guy. Uh, I was recently converted from Canon to Sony. I get these questions. I mean, all the time. What I what I kind of tell people is, you know, the camera doesn't mean anything. Everybody wants to know what kind of camera you shoot on, what kind of camera you shoot on. You know, my, my camera is not that much better than the camera that I'm talking on right now, which is attached to my phone. You know, just being dead honest with everybody, you know, your, your phone cameras are phenomenal right now. But what, what Mm. sets my stuff apart is the lighting. Um, I, I added up the wattage. It's kind of funny. I added up the wattage about a month ago that's, that's hitting the fly whenever I'm tying a, a fly. I have about 1,800 watts of light hitting. <laughs> okay. You laugh, but that's I'm dead serious. <laughs> and so, you know, I have to wear sunscreen. And, I mean, it's <laughs> – but oh, and it's like 150 degrees in there by the time I'm done. And <laughs> But, uh, but it's, I, I use, I use lighting. Um, I, that's one thing that uh, I kind of pride myself on these, um, the videos are going to be well lit. They're going to be crisp and clear. And that's, that's one thing I've, I've, I've reshot several videos just because, you know, when you're filming yourself, um, it, sometimes stuff just doesn't go exactly the way you want it to. And, and I've just, I threw it out and started over. 
you know, it's just, just the way it goes. But, um, yeah, just, just little cameras, uh, you know, nothing, nothing expensive by any means. Everything I, everything I use is either DIY or, or budget stuff. Um, uh, there's, there's really, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I take pictures and put on my Instagram a lot, uh, whenever I get done shooting a video and, and you can kind of see, you can kind of see a glimpse of my setup whenever I, whenever I take those pictures and my camera is literally, <laughs> it's, it's sitting on, um, you know, those, those flat plastic tackle boxes, you know, the, you know, yeah. the clear plastic, I'll, I'll stack like yeah. four of those up. Flambo or yeah, whatever exactly. they Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll stack like four of those, those flat plastic tackle box things up and put my camera on that. That's what holds my camera. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's not something that I, I go overly, overly overboard. That's the, I don't know. That's, yeah, yeah. No, it, and I think there's, it's like any of this stuff. It's learn as you go. There's a lot of trial and error, but once you find something that works, it sounds to me like you're, you're pretty dialed in. I was looking at some of your vids where you've got, where you're showing the fly in the water and the movement. How in the world do you do that? Because I, I look at that and I'm just like, well, I don't understand that. How, how do you do that? <laughs> well, it's the, the first videos that I shot, um, I, I, so, so basically my tying videos are the, I, I do what I, what I call series. Uh, I, I, I've said it before. I call myself like the wedding singer of fly tying videos because I don't do my own stuff. You know, I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take somebody else's fly and tie it. Um, give them all the credit, obviously, you know, I, that's, I don't want to, I don't, I'll never take credit for somebody else's fly. Um, and I always talk to them first to see if it's okay and everything like that. And I started with, uh, Kelly Gallup cause he was kind of that, um, he was kind of that, that first articulated in, in my, in my, my shtick is that is the, the articulated streamers, you know, that's just, that's my thing. It's what I love and, and stuff like that. So, um, so I shot Kelly an email several, several years ago, just, thinking okay yeah right there's no way he's gonna want me to do this and i said I, I gave him my idea about what i wanted to do and he came back so quick and was like absolutely where do i sign up how can i help and um so from then on it's been pretty cool i've, I've had you know kelly gallup backing me with, <laughs> with everything i've done with this stuff and so so you know part of my thing was i want to show your flies swimming underwater. I, I want to, I want to, I want to show the flies swimming underwater. Anybody can see it swimming in a pool from looking down and stuff like that. But I want to, I want to show it with some movement and stuff like that. So when I first did it, um, I, I would take his flies to a little Creek here in town and take my little GoPro and, uh, and have my son cast the fly and strip it back. And then, and it was over and over and over and over and over. And, uh, so that's how we first did it. And now, um, thank God, cause there was no way I could keep doing that. But, um, Flyman, <laughs> Flyman fishing company really put out a, a swim tank several years ago. And that's what I'm talking yep, about. I and think. The, it, the swim tank, yeah. it, the, the swim tank was a game changer for me. I, there's no way that I could have swam that Creek. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I was, I was in the water with that GoPro, um, you know, all, all year long. There's no way I could have done it. Um, so when they, when they, when they put that, uh, swim tank out, of course, I was like the first to jump on board and, and got it. And so what exactly is, explain that to me, so Brian, what is that swim tank? It's genius. It's, it's a, um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. It's, it's fairly large. It, it, I think it's like, it'll hold somewhere around probably three gallons of water, maybe a little bit more. Um, but it has a tube on the inside. It's, it's a maybe only, um, six inches wide and it's flat on one side, but it's rounded on the other side. Okay. So down deep mm-hmm. is there, there's a tube and it's all acrylic. There's a tube in it that's running lengthwise. And literally a, uh, a like a, a pump, a water pump that just shoots water into the tube and you swim your flies. You just throw your fly in there and it'll swim. Uh, you can speed the water up. You can slow it down by that pump. It's, it's really, really cool. And that other side is round. So um, if you want to see how a popper works on top of the water, it it doesn't like you know it's it's shooting water at a round portion of the tank, so on the top of it the water's just going the other way, and you can you can actually use the top of the water to to do like a popper or something like that. So it is it is absolutely cool. genius. I, I whenever they came out with that, everybody kind of freaked out. It was like oh my gosh, this is this is awesome because I had seen some people make some. <laughs> You know, and and they were hard to make, and they didn't work very well. But this thing is perfect. I'm trying to visualize where you're doing all this because I'm in my own mind, Brian. I'm thinking this is a little dangerous. He's got eight, uh, eighteen thousand watts of power, twelve gallons of water, uh, <laughs> right? A microphone. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of freaky. Uh, uh, <laughs> You might want to put a life jacket on and and just stay grounded. Right. So don't wear your tinfoil hat. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but uh, no, it's definitely a game changer because when I when I look at those videos, I I think how do people do that? And it's called a swim tank. Good to know. And I'm right. sure you've had them early on. I'm sure it'll be kind of and that's the way. Look at the GoPro when you, when you said you're in line to get one of the first kind of GoPros out there the way the technology is making life easier now and it's just, and it's available to the average person, which it never was 20 years ago. Right. Right. And I, I think that's, that's the only way that I got into, into video. You know, I, I, I was, I was a young guide, you know, <laughs> there's no way that I was going to go buy some of this equipment. I always wanted to, you know, back then, like to get the, well, back then you couldn't even get the quality of video that I that I produce now at all. You couldn't even get the quality of video that the worst cell phone makes. You know, um, you, you could not do it. It was not possible. You could spend five thousand dollars and and you wouldn't have HD quality video. Um, and that's and that's what it was. The, the GoPro just like I was just gonna say like I just I picked up recently uh, uh, Hero Seven. Oh. And I can't even, my old one, I just want to throw it in the garbage. Cause it's like, I mean, it was great, but <laughs> it's like, wow, the clarity. And I don't even know that, is it 4k? I don't know what it is, but, yeah. um, cause I don't pay attention to details. Trust me, I'm <laughs> bad on that stuff, 
you give me some editing software, I'm all in. But when I look at uh, cameras, for me, is a, it's a learn, it's a real steep learning curve. But the, I can't believe the resolution, the clarity, and it's just. I bet you look at your old videos and go, man, I wish you would have had what I have now back then. Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's I, looking at some of my old stuff. It it was it was really bad. <laughs> I I I did a. Uh, before I started like the quote unquote fly fishing, the Ozarks, uh, I had another channel and a lot of people don't know this. Um, I had another channel that I, I, I uploaded, like I was telling you those, uh, those slideshows and everything. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I uploaded slideshows. I can't remember if it was just my name or, or what it was. I, I, I can't remember. And I need to look these up to see if they're still there because what, <laughs> just a quick story. I, um, uh, I, I was guiding for a lodge and, and everything like that. So guiding for a lodge also came, you know, I needed, I was going to tie some flies for them. So, uh, the lodge ordered like 23 dozen olive woolly buggers. And <laughs> that sounds boring. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so one of the first, <laughs> one of the very first tying videos that I ever put out was, um, was on that that little point and shoot camera. Horrible, horrible video. I think it was the resolution was like 360p or something like that. I I tied and in regular time. I didn't I didn't talk. I set it to like Weird Al or something. <laughs> but um, I I didn't talk. I tied a woolly bugger. And at that point, I could. It, this was I, I had just got done tying all those woolly buggers. It was olive woolly buggers. So I I was like okay I want to make a tying video on tying an olive oil bugger and um, I tied the olive oil bugger in the video I got done with it and then I burned it. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you keep that video? I would like to see I, I, that. You know I would love to see it. I, I need to look it up and see if I can find it sometime because um, it is it is I I loved it and I had no idea what was going to happen. I knew I was going to burn it when I got done because, and I, and, and to this day, I have still never tied an olive oil bugger since then. But I, I was, I was like, I wonder if it's going to burn. Is it going to burn very well? That thing went up like crazy. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I I would imagine that that was kind of, that was kind of one of my things. I thought I was, I thought I was so funny. You know, I'm I'm my biggest fan. (laughs) So let's let's talk about your business. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, whether it's ordering some patterns or are you still guiding? I I, I wasn't clear on that before we started our convo. Yes, I do. I do guide. Um, my my mainstay is uh, is I lean toward that the streamer thing. I've I've kind of I've kind of been that streamer guy, you know, and and the videos the videos have kind of helped kind of solidify that. So. You know, I do the vast majority of my guiding in the in the winter and through through the summer now with striper runs and everything like that. Um, I, I do have like a a real job, quote unquote, like because I've got, I, like I said, man, I've got I've had three majors. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I hear. What do you, what's your real job? I'm actually an elected official in uh, Ozark County, Missouri. I'm the county clerk of Ozark County, Missouri. Cool. <laughs> I bet you get some good stories there. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. Let's let's Kill not go now. there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what though? It's gotta be better than tying twenty three dozen olive woolly buggers. 
everything is better than tying 23 dozen olive oil buckers. So if somebody wants to get a hold of some of your streamer patterns, what's the best place to find you? Throw out, your, throw out all your social uh, media handles. Oh, my goodness. So, so basically, if you just Google fly fishing the Ozarks, um, that's the name of my Instagram that's the name of my YouTube channel. Uh, it's the my actual Fly Fish in the Ozarks website. It, like I said, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all that stuff. It's it's very easy. It's a little bit of a long name, Fly Fish in the Ozarks. I should have I should have rethought that in the very beginning, but it's too late now. <laughs> no, but, but it, uh, you know what? It sticks. It sticks. It kind of does. It kind of does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I'm pretty easy to find. Brian Wise. Fly fishing the Ozarks, that's that's me. That's what I do. If you could change something about fly fishing, if you could kind of have your, you know, if there's something that irks you about our pastime, if there's something you think we could be doing better, is there anything that comes to mind, Brian, that you'd like to see us do a little differently? Ooh, I like that question. Um, that's a question I've never gotten before. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, and, and I, I see fly fishing changing uh, a little bit toward this direction. When I first started fly fishing, the um, you know you would almost have like a if you if you went spin fishing, it was almost like you didn't really want to tell people. It was like it was taboo, <laughs> you know. It <laughs> and yeah. looking back, especially doing what I do now. Uh, with the with the big streamers and everything, we are basically gear fishing. I mean, you know, we really uh, it's it's a very fine line between throwing a Rapala, you know, a six inch jointed Rapala, and throwing a a, a six inch articulated fly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, the only thing that I would change is you know if if the the taboo against gear. I um, gear fishermen have have forgotten more than the average fly fisherman will ever learn and because uh, they're just there's so many more people that do it and there's so much more at their fingertips so you know i steal i steal color combos for my flies off of gear guys the big swim baits mm-hmm. you know those big swim baits those things are yeah. awesome yeah. i i mean those are the neatest things ever and there's and these guys are making them out of out of out of wood they're hand carving them now and just absolutely beautiful work and then they're going and fishing them you know <laughs> so I'm, I'm stealing their ideas and and trying to learn as much as i can from them i you know um and, and it is something that you can you can talk about now you know and like like i in all seriousness i haven't picked up a gear rod in pff, 10 years you know if i have it's just been for for a little bit um but you know, I, I still say to this day, I need to grab a, a gear rod and a rogue and go pull rogues on my river just to see how it compares to pulling big streamers. That's so true what you're saying there. Like when, when I look at some of these um, articulated patterns, some of these minnow patterns, these bait patterns, they are every bit as realistic as some of the um, multi-jointed, like you say, r- r- rapalas or... Uh, 
any type of minnow bait. And and you're right, it's a really fine line. And I think that's something as as fly fishers, that used to be really taboo. Well, is this a lure or is this a fly? Right. At the end of the day, if it's made of if it's made of fur and feathers and I'm throwing it on a fly rod, I think it's a fly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll stand you know, right behind you on that one. Yeah, it's like yeah. If I'm casting it with a spinning rod and it has a lot of weight, and and I'm casting it halfway across the river, well, then maybe it's not a fly. But <laughs> it's definitely people get really weird with that. Like I know in my neck of the woods, fishing boobies or uh, blobs. It's like, well, that's not a fly. Well, you know what? It's made out of some type of synthetic material. I I wrapped it up on a hook and you call it whatever you want. I don't really care. But <laughs> right. uh, I'm throwing it on a fly rod, right? So. Yeah, we do. There's, and that's something that's come up. We do get into this kind of camps, you know, uh, where I do this, I don't do that, I don't use indicators, wh- whatever. Right. I, I, you know what? I, I'm tired of that. I don't really care about it. Um, I do what works, and uh, if anyone, has, as long as it's within the law, and and and, you know, we we practice a lot of uh, catch and release, and you're looking after, you know, the the resource. I don't see an issue with with any of it. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. And I think you know the gear side of things has has really and actually they are, they were probably ones that spurred on this this big conservation change. Um, you know the the gear side of things is um, is where you know the vast majority of our stuff comes from. It really is. It, no matter how you look at it, um, the blanks and just everything. A lot of our stuff comes from the gear side. And like you said, that you know, it's it's not a, especially with gear now, it's not a catch and kill mentality near as much as it was, say, 20 years ago, or you know, maybe even 10 years ago. Um, the the catch and kill mentality is 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 a lot different than it was way back then. But I think just as for fishermen as a whole. And I think that's a great, great thing. I would love it, Brian, if you could take us through your perfect day on the water. So paint a little picture. If you could have any day, your way, you're heading out tomorrow, the weather's perfect, where are you going, what does it look like, what are you throwing, Dallas in on that. <sighs> okay, this is this is so easy, so easy. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to wake up, it's going to be roughly in the high 20s hmm. Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, it's going to snow. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be a day you really don't want to be out there. But the White River is going to be running water because it's it's high demand. It's cold. <laughs> it's an electro dam. They're going to be running water. And big water with an eight weight and like a T six sink 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 rate line and I'm gonna be throwing like an eight inch double deceiver or knucklehead or something like that at the bank and pulling it off the bank as hard and as fast as I can. <laughs> that period. I mean that is that is the day. That those are the days that that we we stop everything we're doing when when we have a front coming in in the middle of winter and the weather's going to get nasty, we stop everything we're doing and we go no matter what's going on. That, that's what we do because yeah, it tends to stir some big nasties up and 
That's all we really want to do. <laughs> we just want to see a big nasty take a swipe at a fly. I don't even have to hook the fish. I mean, I'm to the point now where it's like, you know, it's it's great to catch them. You know, I, I and and I I do. I want to catch you know really big fish, but I I just want to see it. I want to see that big brown just just you know swinging a miss, whatever. I just want to see it and I, like. I've been, I've told people this before and they hate me for saying it. Um, but I, there's like my first fish of last year, I think it was, was it like a 25 inch hen brown? Great fish, you know, great fish, no matter where you are. That's a great fish. The first fish of the year is like January 5th or something like that. I was disappointed because I didn't get to see her eat it. I was talking. Imagine that. Um, I was talking to my buddies in the boat. I was not paying attention to what the fly was doing. And I came tight to her and I was like, Oh man, I didn't see her eat it. <laughs> and I landed a 25 inch fish. Yeah. Uh, that's we're spoiled. We're spoiled. <laughs> it's funny. Just what you verbalized there. It amazes me how many people have told me a similar story. I want a cold day, maybe a, a light snow. That's not, that's not the first thing that comes to mind in my mind, but then you, you're looking at probably a river system that there's a lot less people because most people are going to probably stay home that day. Right. And you're right. That's when the big ones are moving. I mean, I, I'm up in, in British Columbia, and when we used to do a lot of steelhead or salmon fishing, that's when you wanted to be out there because those salmon and those steelhead were not moving when the sun's bright and the weather's great. They, they You know, there's a bit of water coming in the system. It dirties the water up a bit. They get a little more confident and they make their run, and that's when the pigs come to play, right? Exactly. Exactly. You're talking my language right there. Now, I'll, I'm not going to pretend that we get the cold down here like you get to experience. <laughs> I think the cold... I, well, 20 sounds pretty... Ch that's chilly, though, in the water, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've got a fisherman uh, that comes down from uh, the Bow River. And oh, yeah. and he's you know he's a, he's a hardcore guy and stuff like that. And uh, he came down to fish last winter and... You know, I and it's it's cold. It's January. It's cold. I'm I'm all bundled up, and he's in a t-shirt, <laughs> and I was just like, no, it's you don't see me cold, right? And then yeah, but it, it was it was like a totally different kind of cold to him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, hey, listen, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Really enjoyed our conversation. We've been chatting today with Brian Wise out of Gainesville, Missouri. Fly fish in the Ozarks. Look them up. Some great vids. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure. Had a blast. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.